You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Another event that happened on the Prophet's way is the Prophet mentioning a very important hadith and it's important to have a discussion on this hadith. When the Prophet reaches Juhfa, one narration states that the Prophet asked his companions to clear the area underneath a tree so he can stand, it's very hot under the sun, the Prophet wanted some shade. So he had that area under a tree prepared for him. The Prophet stands and he gives a speech. And sources, many sources in Sunni books of hadith, quote the Prophet saying the following, Meaning, I am going ahead of you. I am going to go to the Akhirah, to the Day of Judgment, to the mercy of God. And I will be waiting for you. I'm going ahead of you. And I'm going to leave behind me something. So the Prophet is telling Muslims, I'm going to leave one day, but I'm leaving something behind. That is going to guarantee your guidance. If you hold on to what I'm going to recommend to you, you'll never go astray. So what does he leave behind him? Kitab Allah, the Holy Quran, the Book of Allah. That's the first one. What does the, what's the second one? Uh, in these sources, there is a different term here. Wasunnati I have left behind me the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of your Prophet. The way of the Prophet, the teachings of the Prophet. So the Prophet, according to these sources, told Muslims that I'm leaving the Book of Allah and my Sunnah. If you hold on to them, you shall never go astray. Let's analyze this. When you heard the terms of this hadith, what did this remind you of? The famous hadith of what? Thaqlain or Thaqalain. The famous hadith of Thaqlain that all Muslims have narrated, Sunni and Shia, is that the Prophet said numerous times in his lifetime that I leave behind me two heavy things, the Book of Allah and my family, the Ahlul Bayt. If you hold on to them, you shall never go astray. Now in some sources, Sunni sources, we see that there's a different term here. It says what? The Book of Allah and my Sunnah. Did the Prophet really say that or no? We have some thoughts and observations about this. Number one, we will say to Muslims, assuming the Prophet said it, fine. Let's assume for the sake of argument, the Prophet said, Kitab Allah wa Sunnati, and my teachings. Question, who represents his Sunnah after him? The Ahlul Bayt. Whom can I trust after him to show me what his Sunnah was? Because Muslims have a disagreement. Did the Prophet pray this way or that way? Did he prostrate this way or that way? So who's the one who shows us the true Sunnah? The Ahlul Bayt. 
And that is why we have in other hadiths, the Prophet said, my family. So in the first observation, we say there is no contradiction between hadith sunnati and hadith atrati. The hadith that says I've left behind me the Quran and my sunnah, my teachings, and the hadith that says I've left behind me the Quran and my family. In the first observation, we say there's no contradiction. Why? The Prophet did say my family in more hadiths. In this hadith, if he really said that, the Prophet means take my sunnah from my family. Because in other hadiths, the Prophet specifically says his family. So how do you find the sunnah of the Prophet? Where do you take his sunnah from? From his family, the Ahlul Bayt. So the first observation is there's no contradiction between the two. For the sake of argument, we'll accept this hadith. However, there's a disagreement amongst Muslims. Who is the authority after the Prophet to show you his sunnah, to show you his teachings? It's the Ahlul Bayt. Because in other Sahih hadiths, that are more than this hadith, the Prophet says, I leave the book of Allah and my Ahlul Bayt. So if he really said this, he means my sunnah from my Ahlul Bayt. It doesn't negate hadith al-Thaqalain, the famous hadith al-Thaqalain, this does not negate it. Because some Muslims try to use this to negate that one. And say, no, the Prophet never said my family. This does not contradict that one. That's the first observation, yes. Yeah, sorry about this. Even, even the sunnah, they say sunnah, uh, which sunnah is that talking about? The sunnah was forbidden to written from the time of... Um, uh, yeah, there was a ban on writing the sunnah of the Prophet. They just banned them and they the sunnah there was done, talk about I think over 100 years. Talking, yes, for about 100 years, 100 years there was a ban on yes, recording the sunnah. The sunnah. That's, that's a very good observation. Yeah, plus, uh, in most of 99% of the Sunni book, they say Kitab al the Th that's the second observation. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. But in this, in this, um, in this story of Juhfa, no, many Sunni sources have mentioned this. That's why I highlighted it. A number of Sunni sources they have claimed that the Prophet, on his way to Hudaybiyah, this is what he said. So that's why we are discussing it. So our first point is there's no contradiction between Sunnati and Atrati. Because the many more Sahih Hadiths of Atrati explain this Hadith. That you take my Sunnah from my Atra. Because without them, there's no Sunnah. There's no Sahih Sunnah. Yes, brother. How many years ago was this? This is 1,400 years ago, approximately. 14 centuries ago that when this happened. So would they Arabic or Yes, they were using the Arabic language to speak to the people. And, and the people were documenting it in Arabic. It was the standard formal Arabic, yes. Today we have different dialects. You have the Iraqi dialect, the Lebanese dialect, the Moroccan, the Egyptian. This was standard Arabic. The one that you find, you know, in the Quran, in the Hadith, even in newspapers, right? When you read a newspaper, you're reading standard Arabic. Arabic has changed over years, definitely. The words that we use today are not exactly the words that were used back then. That is why in order for us to understand the Quran and Hadith, we have to go back to the meaning of the words in that era, to see what did it mean in that era to understand it. Because things do change, words do change, definitely. Even in English, in English you have words that change over time. If you were to say selfie 30 years ago, right? 
who's old enough here to remember that generation? 30 years ago, if you were to say selfie, what would people understand? Nothing. Nothing. What would, you know, selfie, what? Something about the self. They wouldn't understand exactly what it means. Or if you would have said photobomb, what does photobomb mean today? Does anyone know what photobomb is? Exactly. When you jump into a picture and ruin the, the, the picture being taken, they call it photobomb. Now, if you said this 30 years ago, they thought you're actually going to explode something, right? <laughs> and we have many, many other uh, terms like that. So languages do change over time. That's why when it comes to the Quran and the Hadith, we have to go back to the original sources. That's our first observation. The second observation is possibly, and we... Um, you know, have evidence to believe in this. Most likely this is a distortion of Hadith al-Thiqlay. Because the Prophet in so many sources, he said, my family after saying the Quran. So when we see one instance here of him saying my sunnah, this gives us confidence that this is a distortion. They've played with this Hadith, those who wrote this Hadith fabricated it in order to marginalize the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. The one that mentions the family of the Prophet is much more widely narrated. Uh, was, was there a question? Okay. So, let's, let's examine the one that says Wa'itrati, my family. In Muslim, Sahih Muslim, which many Muslims from other schools of thought consider this as a Sahih work, the Prophet says in Sahih Muslim, يُوشَكُ أَنْ يَأْتِي رَسُولُ رَبِّي فَأُجِيبُ I'm about to leave. Soon the messenger of my Lord will come and I will respond to him, meaning I'm going to leave this dunya. Okay, Ya Rasulullah, if you're leaving, what are you leaving behind that's going to guarantee our guidance? وَإِنِّي تَارِكُمْ فِيكُمُ الثِّقْلَيْنِ And I am leaving two heavy things after me, two weighty things. أَوَّلُهُمَا كِتَابُ اللَّهِ the first one is what? The book of Allah. فِيهِ الْهُدَى nur. It has the guidance and the light. خُذُوا بِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَاسْتَمْسِكُوا بِهِ Take the book of Allah and hold on to it. Then he said, وَأَهْلَ بَيْتِي And my family. Then he said three times, أُذَكِّرُكُمُ اللَّهَ فِي أَهْلِ بَيْتِي أُذَكِّرُكُمُ اللَّهَ فِي أَهْلِ بَيْتِي Three times he says, I emphasize my Ahlul Bayt after me. By Allah, don't forget my Ahlul Bayt. Don't forget my Ahlul Bayt. Do not forget my Ahlul Bayt. So we have other Sahih Hadiths. When they have captured this type of statement from the Prophet, I leave after me, the Quran, they have said, my family. So if you see in some Hadith Sunnati, the second observation is this is a distortion. They've changed the word Atrati and replaced it with Sunnati in order to avoid the Ahlul Bayt in order to sideline the Ahlul Bayt and marginalize the Ahlul Bayt. Yes? Why would you say like they, what was the reason of maybe that even though like it was the right, you know, like a long time ago, like they knew the Ahlul Bayt was like the right path, why did they try to mix it up? Maybe the Mainly for political reasons, because they wanted to rule after the Prophet, they did not want the Ahlul Bayt to rule. So if you're ruling after the Prophet, how do you justify it? How do you justify the companions sidelining Imam Ali from the Khilafah. So you have to make some distortion. Because if it's clear to Muslims that the Prophet said Quran in my family, the people are going to tell them, okay then, how come you're not letting 
his family teach us and rule and show us Islam. All the Imams were killed one after the other. Some of them were under house arrest. So how did those governments justify them ruling after the Prophet and claiming to be the Khalifa of the Prophet by through such fabrications? That's how they would justify it. Because if you admit that the Ahlul Bayt are the source after the Prophet, okay, go follow them. And people would want the Ahlul Bayt. That would give the Ahlul Bayt more popularity and a greater following. They did not want that. Now, how many companions have narrated the hadith that uses the word Atrati, my family? I'll share with you. The Sunni historian and scholar, As-Sakhawi, he mentions the Sahaba who have narrated hadith al-Thaqlain using the word my family, my progeny, my Ahlul Bayt, my Atra. Abu Sa'id al-Khidri or Khudari, Zayd ibn Arqam, Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari, Hudhayfa ibn Usaid al-Ghifari, Khuzayma ibn Thabit, Sahl ibn Sa'ad, Dhumayra, Amir ibn Abi Layla, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Abdullah ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Umar, Adi or Uday ibn Hatim, Uqba ibn Amir, Imam Ali alayhi salam, Abu Dhar, Abu Rafi', Abu Shurayh al-Khuzai, Abu Qudam al-Ansari, Abu Huraira, uh, Abu al-Haytham ibn al-Tayyihan, Um Salama, Um Hani bint Abi Talib. And he says a number of people from Quraysh. And then some other Sunni scholars have added Imam Hassan alayhi salam, Salman al-Farisi, al-Muhammadi, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, Zayd ibn Thabit, Abdullah ibn Hantab, Jubair ibn Mut'im, Al-Bara' ibn Azib, Anas ibn Malik, Talha ibn Ubaidillah, Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, Amr ibn Al-As, Sahel ibn Sa'd, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, Fatima al-Zahra alayhi salam, Abu Layla al-Ansari, and we can go on. Why am I mentioning, you, mentioning all these names to you in an exhaustive list? Because today, my dear brothers and sisters, some Muslims insist the book of Allah and my sunnah. And you have over 40 companions who narrated the book of Allah and the Ahlul Bayt. Why would you insist on sunnah when we have so many hadiths that mention the Ahlul Bayt? Why would you do that? Is this fair to the Prophet? Is this fair to history? Believe me, some of them, some of those speakers on those pulpits, they simply cannot bring themselves to say, Kitab Allah wa Atrati. They cannot say it. Anytime they mention this hadith, Kitab Allah wa Sunnati. My Sunnah, my Sunnah. So we have so many companions here who have admitted that the Prophet said, the book of Allah and my family. So when we do historical research, this gives us yaqeen and certainty that this is what the Prophet said. Some of these companions were not in favor of Ahlul Bayt, yes. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, Abu Huraira, Amr ibn al-As was an enemy of Imam Ali. Some of these companions were not on good terms with the Ahlul Bayt, yet they narrated that this is what the Prophet said. And the scholar who gathered these names is a Sunni scholar. As-Sakhawi is a Sunni scholar and historian. No, the Prophet's way, we take the Prophet's way. But who tells you what's the way of the Prophet? The companions, they have disagreements. 
Some companions were not trustworthy. Some companions, like Abu Hurairah, they would fabricate. How do I trust them that they're really telling me what the Prophet did? So we go by the way of the Prophet. But the Prophet must give you a reference after him, that after me there's going to be a dispute between the companions. Who represents me? My Ahlul Bayt will teach you what my teachings are. So all you Muslims who you have doubts, what's my Sunnah, what's the Quran, what's the deeper meanings of Islam, you have to go to the Ahlul Bayt, they'll teach you what it is. If you don't go by Ahlul Bayt, you've not accepted the recipe for guidance that the Prophet has given you. You've deviated. Well, the Prophet, in all these hadiths, he's saying, you have to go through my Ahlul Bayt. Right. He's saying it. Like, even if he died, the, the Prophet, they, they could say, we'll just go by what he was used to tell us. We don't have to follow no one. Okay, by, by what he used to tell us. First of all, most Muslims didn't hear what the Prophet said. It's not like we had recording machines in order to know exactly what he said. Secondly, there are things the Prophet didn't go into detail. So when people have a disagreement over, or when new things arise, who's going to be the reference point? See the Prophet in Mecca, he didn't have the freedom to really preach Islam. Half of his time in Medina, there was battles and wars and trouble. The Prophet never had enough time to explain every detail in Islam. The Prophet explained the main guidelines, the main teachings. But as for the details, who explained it after the Prophet? the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. Otherwise, if they claim that the Prophet explained everything, then why do you have Abu Hanifa? Why do you have Imam Malik? Why do you have, you know, uh, all these others? Ahmad ibn Hanbal and Shafi'i, why do you have them? Because they don't know exactly what the Prophet said. So they have to follow these scholars to tell them what their fiqh is. What the Prophet said, follow the Ahlul Bayt after me. So this is Hadith al-Thiqlain. Now Hadith al-Thiqlain, when you analyze it, it proves several very important points. And we as Muslims, we need to understand the inner depths of Hadith al-Thiqlain. Number one, it proves the Ahlul Bayt, the Atra, must be infallible. Why? Because the Prophet says, if you hold on to them, you shall never go astray. Because holding on to them protects you from misguidance. So they must be infallible. If they make mistakes, if they can sin, then they will not fully guide you. The Prophet says, do you want guaranteed guidance? Follow the Quran and my Ahlul Bayt. That in itself is a testimony from the Prophet that they're infallible. Number two, the Prophet says they shall never separate from the Quran until they meet me on the pool of Al-Hawd on the Day of Judgment. Question, if something never separates from the Quran, is it error-free, infallible, or it can make mistakes? What do you say? The Quran that we have, are, they, are there mistakes in it? Does it have any errors? Does it have any falsehood? No. We all accept that. So if the Prophet says the Ahlul Bayt are stuck to the Quran, they never separate from it. That means, can the Ahlul Bayt have errors and mistakes and sins? No. Because if they make a mistake, in that mistake, they separate it from the Qur'an. Because a mistake, a sin is false, and there's no falsehood in Qur'an. So if the Ahlul Bayt do anything false, or say anything false, what happens? They separate it from the Qur'an. 
Hadith al-Thiqlain in itself is testimony, is a testament that the Ahlul Bayt must be infallible. And they are that trusted source. Number three, Hadith al-Thiqlain indicates that the Ahlul Bayt will be with the Qur'an until the Day of Judgment. Because he says they shall never separate from the Qur'an until they meet me at the pool on the Day of Judgment. So now here's the question. Today does the Qur'an exist? And the Prophet says the Ahlul Bayt shall never separate from the Qur'an. What does that automatically tell you? There must be a member of the Ahlul Bayt who is living on earth to be with the Qur'an. But ask other Muslims, that's not what they believe. Tell them who is that infallible member from the Prophet's family who's here on earth today? They're like, no, there's no such person. Oh, so the Ahlul Bayt then separated from the Qur'an. But the Prophet said they shall never separate. So these Muslims, without even realizing, they're falsifying the Prophet. They're not accepting his words. Because the Prophet says, my Ahlul Bayt, they never separate from the Qur'an until they meet me on the Day of Judgment at the Hawd, at the pool. And this is proof for the living Imam. Al-Imam al-Mahdi, This is living proof. This is evidence that one of the descendants of the Prophet, one of his Atra, one of his progeny, one of his family, an infallible imam must be present on earth to always be with the Qur'an until the Day of Judgment. That's another aspect of Hadith al-Thiqlain. Hadith al-Thiqlain also proves the imams have all the divine knowledge because the Qur'an says Allah has put all the knowledge in the Qur'an. If you have access to its you know, layers and deep depths. So if the Ahlul Bayt never separate from the Qur'an, that means every knowledge contained in the Qur'an, they must have it. Because if they're ignorant of it, they separate it from the Qur'an. So studying Hadith al-Thiqlain really uncovers the deeper meanings of the status of Ahlul Bayt. And unfortunately, most Muslims have not done justice to the status. Now, Sunnis do love the Ahlul Bayt, there's no doubt. You cannot be a follower of the Prophet and hate his own family whom he loved. If someone hates the Ahlul Bayt, hates Imam Ali, this person is not even a Muslim. Sunnis do love Ahlul Bayt and some of them will tell you, yeah, I love the Ahlul Bayt. I love them, I love them a lot. In Hadith al-Thiqlain, when the Prophet gave you the recipe to guidance and to never go astray, the Prophet didn't say, I leave behind me the Qur'an and the love of my Ahlul Bayt. He never said that. He never said, follow Qur'an and love my Ahlul Bayt and you'll be fine. What did the Prophet say? Tamassuk. The Prophet uses the word tamassuk. What does tamassuk mean? Hang on to them. Not just love them. Sunnis today, they love the Ahlul Bayt. But do they hang on to the Ahlul Bayt? No. Their tafsir, is it from the Ahlul Bayt? No. Maybe they've taken some things from the Ahlul Bayt. But is it fully from the Ahlul Bayt? No. Their fiqh, their legal rulings, is it from the Ahlul Bayt? No. So how have you held on to the Ahlul Bayt? We Shias, our fiqh is Ja'fari. We take it from Imam al-Sadiq, he takes it from the Ahlul Bayt, from the Prophet. So we have held on to the Ahlul Bayt. But other Muslims from other schools of thought, did they hang on to the Ahlul Bayt? So they did not follow the instruction of the Prophet. That tamassuk is not there. And that's a challenge to them. Even their love, they, it's not their complete love, because they love Ahlul Bayt and they love their enemies. 
Yes, that's another point. But sometimes they'll tell you, look, you guys thinks you guys think they had enemies. I believe all the Sahaba were good together. Some of them make that claim. Even though some Sahaba, they fought each other to death. I mean, Muawiyah tried to kill Imam Ali and he killed the companions of Imam Ali. But let's, let's tell him, fine, fine. You love the Ahlul Bayt. Who told you that's enough? The Prophet in Hadith al-Thiqlain, he doesn't say, just love my Ahlul Bayt. Even if you claim your love is 100% there. The Prophet is not asking you in Hadith al-Thiqlain to love the Ahlul Bayt only. He's telling you, hang on to them. Hold on to them. Take your teachings from them. You shall never go astray. Have you taken all your teachings from the Ahlul Bayt? If they haven't, they have not followed Hadith al-Thiqlain. If they haven't, and they have not followed Hadith al-Thiqlain, they're not guaranteed guidance. Because the Prophet says, if you want to avoid dhalala, misguidance, that's the only way. Otherwise, good luck. That's the reality. I mean, they don't study these things. I mean, they don't, why do they put people on a dahron, you know, and they're on a lot The same path. applies to every path. Now, without comparing them to, to the Christians, but what do you say about Christian scholars? Don't they know that the Trinity is false? It's dividing God into parts. It's contradictory. Don't they know that? Don't they know the Bible has been tampered with and changed throughout history? Of course they know that. Bible scholars, they know this is not the actual word of Jesus. People came after Jesus and they claimed that's what he said. The authors of the Bible, some of them did not even see Jesus in his life. They've never even saw him. Not even once they've never seen him. How do you want me to trust them that this is exactly what Jesus told me? Just because somebody reported it? That's not sufficient proof for me. When it comes to the scriptures, I need yaqeen and certainty that this is what Jesus said. It's a trial. It's a trial. Yeah, he believes he knows everything. There are some people, they have positions in society. They have interests. If they reveal the truth, they lose that position. Yes. Right now, right now, without getting into sectarian issues, right now in many parts of the world, if a Sunni scholar announces that he's following the Ahlul Bayt and they put the label Shia on him, he's gone. He's gone. Some parts he gets killed. If he doesn't get, get killed, at least he loses his job. People abandon him. The media defames him and considers him to be a heretic. His life gets ruined. Think it's easy to make that sacrifice? Even here in the West, even here in the West. Now you could say, okay, in some parts of the Middle East, you know, there is a big concern. But here you have freedom. I know of a scholar who, I don't want to mention his name now. I know a scholar who's in Los Angeles, California. I know him personally. And years ago, he followed the path of Ahlul Bayt. He had a very important mosque in the Los Angeles area. He lost the masjid. He lost the people, he lost some of his family members. I remember once he said to us, and he was crying, he says, we asked him, why are you crying? He said, I'm crying because when I die, 
I don't think anyone will even show up for my funeral. That's how abandoned I've become for following the school of Ahlul Bayt and for being labeled as Shia. So one of my family members told him, you are following the path of Fatima How many people attended her funeral? And she was the daughter of Rasulullah. So when he heard that, he was like, that comforted me now. So it's not easy. You have to give up positions. There is a lobby out there. He did a big sacrifice. And he's old, he's like over 70. I mean, imagine after a lifetime of legacy, your whole community turns against you. Who's willing to do that? Yeah. yeah. Who's willing to do that? He got his akhirah, exactly. But how many people are willing to sacrifice for the akhirah? <laughs> That's the problem.